Hey everyone, this is Plex Weather. Uh, I'm Jason. And I'm Kim. And uh, we have an actual game to talk about. We're not going to spend a ton of time talking about the game. We've got some bigger issues to discuss. Um, we're fortunate enough uh, to have Tegan McGrady coming on uh, later in the show to you know talk about a lot of stuff, soccer stuff, not soccer stuff. Um, but before we get to that, we will spend a couple minutes talking about the first bona fide soccer game we got to see the spirit play in 2020. Yeah. And I think uh, just for, so everybody knows in future podcasts, when we don't have a guest, I think we will probably spend quite a bit of times getting into the weeds of, you know, tactical stuff. But in this particular instance, uh, our interview with Tegan is really good, not because of us, because of her, because she had really (laughs) good things to say. And uh, we just want to, we just want to get to that. So uh, real briefly, spirit played well. Yeah, uh, I think it was it was an impressive performance. I, I know you've had a chance to rewatch the entire game. I think I got to just after Chicago's goal, and I had to pause it so that the Houston-Utah game, so I could start that one up. Um, what I saw, I, obviously I saw the better, the, the rewatch, I saw only the, the good part of the game. The Spirit maybe didn't end the game uh, <laughs> as well as they started, but um, I think there's a lot. I think there's a lot to build on there. It's not, this wasn't one where they're like, well, they scraped it out, but I don't see where this is going to go. Yeah. Uh, I guess my quick thoughts, since we don't want to spend too much time on, on this, um, it was great to finally see the midfield three together, Sullivan, Lavelle, DiBiase. Uh, fantastic to see them actually get to play together. Rose was, was as expected. was the best player mm-hmm. on the field for either team, I think. And, uh, I thought Ashley Hatch played better than we'd seen her in in quite a while, and uh, I thought the the center backs Stab and Nielsen were as advertised. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, especially um, you know, not, I think the defense. I think all of the defenders played pretty well. I think Nielsen on the on the rewatch, especially, it becomes clear that I think um, she was right up there with with Rose as far as the best player on the field for either team. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, th- I think overall they're they were mostly pretty good. The central midfield trio, the fact that they're so fast, uh, kept coming up. I, I think I had jotted a note down about their speed being a factor in a given play, just three or four times in one half. Um, and it's all three of them, um, which is which is really wild. And and it's not like Chicago has an unathletic old central midfield. I mean. <laughs> the the players they put out there are not slow by any means, but there are plays where there are moments where you know, the burst that um, Lavelle had on the first goal to to win the ball. Um, there's a couple of plays where Jordan DiBiase makes up three, four yards in five or five or six steps on, on someone else. So um, that was really good. I think the newcomers, um, Sanchez and Yokoyama, I think they both had flashes uh, where they did something positive. It wasn't perfect by any means, but um, I think there's more to build on, especially um, – Yokoyama on first watch, I thought struggled. And I think even Richie said after the game, he felt like she, or he said that she felt that she struggled. Um, I think it was closer to being good than I thought initially. I don't know if you agree with me on that, but I I think she was almost there a few times. Yeah. I thought both of them were um, not ready for how physical refs let NWSL refs let the game get (laughs) the Thunderdome. Um, yeah, like obviously in international play or in, I mean, college is pretty physical, but the players aren't mm-hmm. as good. Um, right. In international play, refs are usually quite a bit, um, I don't know if better is the right word, but they call the, they call the game differently. Mm-hmm. And uh, NWSL is just like its own thing where 
it's the refs let it devolve into MMA sometimes. And uh, Yokoyama didn't look ready for that. And Sanchez um, at least seemed to adjust. She played better Mm -hmm. at the end of the game. Um, I think both of them will get used to it. Yeah, I think you you bring up the end of the game with Sanchez. And I think a lot of people are going to notice she had those two chances where she held onto the ball too long. Um, It's kind of her MO if you've never watched her before. Yeah, um, and that's going to jump out at people like she should have shot. She didn't shoot. It's one of those things that that any level of fan is going to pick up on right away. Um, but I think you're right that um, at least thinking back to I, you know, I still have to watch that last half hour of the game. But the the first time when I watched it live, um, I did sense you know the same thing that you're saying that she was figuring the game out, and young players don't often do that. Uh, that quickly um it's it's kind of rare in the league normally we see rookies need you know 10 10 games maybe sometimes more maybe that whole first season in some cases well right this um, is something we we talked to to tegan about in the interview is like mm-hmm. you know those your rookie year in a lot of cases is just like getting figuring out what the level is so that you're ready to be a real contributor in your second year and, and you know she it, with sanchez she, she's not even getting the customary preseason, the customary preseason games and building up slowly. This was just being dumped into a game against, a, I mean, it, yes, Chicago is not the same as they were last year, but they're still really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was sent out there and it's like, all right, we're going to give you the start. You know, uh, it sounded like from Richie's pregame comments that she earned that start. Um, if this wasn't just a, let me see what the kid can do. Um, this was a, she's training really well. I can't not put her in the lineup. Um, And I think she did, you know, with, with the circumstances, I think she did pretty well. Um, It's just, you know, the surface level stuff of those two late misses are maybe what's going to come to people's minds. But when you look at the full game, some of the choices that she made were really good. It's just that last choice a couple of times was off and you don't want to overshadow those with the rest of the game because the rest of the game is usually, that's the indicator of someone being good or not. And if she's getting into those positions to make that one last bad choice, that means all she's got to do is correct the one choice, not the whole fundamental part of her game. Right. And Richie knew that when he, when he made the trade to get that pick and when he drafted her, he knew what he was getting into. He knew that that was the, that was the one thing she needs to add to her game or that she needs to fix to become a really good NWSL starter. And, uh, so I think that's why I'm not really worried because like that's not that's not new information. That's the right. thing that he knew he had to fix. Uh, I think I think that's probably enough. Uh, yeah, why don't we get it? to the good stuff? Yeah, uh, we'll we'll move on. Uh, we're recording this out of order, so we're going to pretend that Tegan is coming on right now, but actually she's already <laughs> talked to us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we start with. Uh, the soccer stuff we talk about we talk about the game we talk about how she's developing and then we get into more serious stuff gradually uh talked about her her injuries and her her recovery from injury and then at the end uh we talk a little bit about uh racism and racial bias in soccer and uh kind of how tough it is to be one of only a couple of black players in a locker room that uh that that is mostly white that doesn't have a, a lot of people of color in it and uh and a lot of like racial bias in uh, in coaching and scouting and kind of what can be done to uh, to correct that. So it's a really good interview, not because of us, uh, because Tegan had a lot of really, really great things to say. And I uh, hope you listen. 
for our uh, longtime listeners, this is only our second episode. Um, <laughs> we have our first guest. Uh, Tegan McGrady has taken time out of uh, I'm sure, what I'm sure is a loaded day just before uh, the Spirit take uh, the field again, taking on the North Carolina Courage tomorrow. Um, Tegan, thanks for joining us. Of course. So glad I could be on here talking to you guys. Uh, we're going to start off with kind of the, I know the number one question I've been getting about you specifically after the first game, um, you got, you left the game right after a pretty heavy collision. How are you doing after that? Um, I'm doing much better. Definitely was I'm a collision that was very unexpected. And I think that's what it more was. It was the shock and it swelled, um, my cheeks swelled right away. Um, to the point where I could see it, and we didn't know if something was fractured or what part of the face was really, if it was the nose, the jaw, the eye. Um, so at that point, the trainer and I kind of decided to just shut it down for the day and go get it checked out by the doctor. Um, I'm doing great now. The swelling is still there. It's a little bit bruised, but not nearly as bruised as we all thought it would have been, but um, it's definitely getting better day by day. Was that, was that, um, cause it looked like that was a big, um, at least going to be a triple sub before your injury came up as well. Was that part of the plan or was that just a like, well, while we're at it, we might as well get you off the field as well. Yeah, no, that definitely was not in the plan. And we've been joking about this past couple of days. It's funny because we joke about it. We're also like, okay, at least, you know, like we wouldn't be joking about this if we didn't win, but they did not want to do four subs at once. They were hoping mm-hmm. to go two, two, and then to save one more for the last part of it. But then they ended up going all four at once. But um, from what I understand, partially some of that was also the referees, um, like trying to get people in faster, and we didn't want that. But, uh, yeah, so that's how I ended up playing out. Definitely not what was planned to have four subs going at once, but um, they just the team rolled with it really well. So proud of them. That's going to be a weird thing to adjust to, right? Like the the new the new rules that uh, nobody's really ever I don't know played with this before. I guess college you can has different sub rules, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know the adjustment to like okay, there are four four new players on the pitch has got to be a little strange. Yeah, it definitely was, and I think that's where it was so caught off guard. I mean, if you're switching two out at a, at a time, you can still kind of get a rhythm and I think that's kind of what we saw um, Chicago do and being able to still keep their rhythm and kind of make progress but also be able to add you know two players in and then another two players but when you add four different players onto a pitch um, it sometimes gets not confusing but you kind of lose a rhythm and have to gain another rhythm because you're switching so many people on the field so I think that was a big factor in that game and I hope that you know with tomorrow we won't have injuries like we did or um, you know our subbing just goes a little bit better but you know with that being said I think we did a great job at handling everything that was thrown our way the other night. So how do you feel about the the team's performance in terms of like how close do you guys think you are to like being the the best you can be like what I don't know percent would you put that that performance at? That's hard because we we all talked about our our first half being really good, but our second half was not nearly what we wanted it to be. Um, I honestly don't know if I can put a percentage. I mean, for our first game this year, um, you know, not playing any other teams but ourselves in the past couple weeks and having to go on to, you know, a field much bigger with an altitude, you know, I would 
I would say that we weren't at our top performance and I don't I think we were just kind of scraping what you know our potential is like you you saw some of our counterattacks like I think that we can do it so much more I'd say you know probably around you know I'd probably say around 70 percent but I think we have so much more to offer with our team and I think that's just going to take time not that it should have happened in the first game because we all knew that there were going to be some things that needed to be adjusted after the first game because it was like I said our first time stepping on the field that wasn't playing against each other you know all together even with some new players there you know since October that's that's a long time for a team to go without any games against anyone but themselves Um, so I think you know like I said we played well we played really well in the first half you know our second half wasn't as strong but we did what we needed to do to close out the game and get the result what's uh you're in such an it's such an odd scenario to be in to go into the league bubble and trying to play at that level um to try and and you know hit that top performance uh, or at least get as close to it as you can in these circumstances um how has that environment been overall how has it been to just try and um adjust to what's been an extremely bizarre year all around and then this is an extremely bizarre tournament to be in yeah I think it's like you said extremely bizarre this entire season so far has been um, crazy just you know going what we did throughout the beginning of the season I mean we had still gone out to Florida for our preseason but you know the the entire season was turned upside down when we were out there uh, training to get ready and we all kind of, you know, focused on having to be ready at any point whenever this, whenever the league called for us to play that, that was our main focus and it was hard. There were ups and downs and, you know, the times that we couldn't train with each other and you had to go out there on your own, but, you know, we, we all knew that it was part of the job and finally getting back out on the field together. I think I was just excited because I mean, I I had such an up and down year last year with only playing in six games. And I know that I was just really focused on getting back to the player, you know, that I was before I went through the injury last year. And I know that um, I had some hesitations coming back last year and I had some hesitations um, just with my play in general, because I felt like I had been through so much trauma with my injury that I wasn't exactly the player that I wanted to be in. That actually gave me some time to focus on myself and the things that I needed to do in order to get back to being me. It took a lot of self-reflection. You know, sometimes you don't want to have to do that much self-reflection, but it ultimately gave me the time that I needed and that as soon as I was back out on the field training with the team, as soon as we could start going again, I felt like I was finally getting back to myself. I had the confidence again, and I just knew there were certain things that I wanted to work on, certain things that I had to focus on in order to take me to the next level. Um, so I think that was, you know, hard and all of that, but, you know, I'm kind of thankful in the end that we also had the time for ourselves. Um, but with that being said, you know, being here and being in the bubble and now having this tournament style um, structure to a season is completely different. Um, it's definitely something that we as a team have talked about all the time and we've been trying to support each other because it's nothing like, you know, real season. We've been trying to support our rookies as much as possible because their, you know, lives are kind of turned upside down. And 
we have all just made sure that we needed to stay together as a team to support each other no matter what, because that was what was going to get us through all of this, that as long as we knew we were supporting each other and working 110% on the field and giving it our all, that we couldn't be, you know, we couldn't be there without each other. And that was something that we had to put our full trust into each other in order to get to here, in order to get through this tournament, that we were going to need everyone to go. And I, you know, I just focused on knowing that my teammates were going to be there for me, standing behind me. And I knew that it was my time to finally, you know, get back to where I was and start to surpass what I was doing, you know, at the end of college and coming into um, the pro season last year. So I know this isn't like the the most pleasant thing to talk or think about, but I'm wondering if you could talk more about your your injuries last year and you know like the how how tough that was to to go through and like uh, I guess how you how you overcame that and like how you uh, you know figured out how to become a, a better player like in spite of that. Yeah, that was it was when I talked to um, you know people about my injury from last year. Um, it's always been a little bit of both sides of like, I'm so grateful that I went through that and it might sound weird to say that, but I know that it's made me so much tougher on the other end. Um, but also it was, you know, one of the hardest injuries that I've been through and I've been through quite a few injuries through my time at college and now getting out here, it was probably the hardest just because I am such a huge family person. I stayed close to home. I was always at home when I was going through high school. And then when I went to Stanford, I was a 30 minute drive away from home. So being near my family during everything that I went through college was just like, they were always there. All I had to do was get in the car and drive 30 minutes away and go and see them. And then I found myself on the opposite side of the country from them. And by myself, what it felt like, even though, I mean, I wasn't alone. I had Jordan, my roommate. I had uh, Sam Stab was also my roommate last year. And I had, you know, the entire team around me. But it had just felt so different to me. And, um, you know, I was always just so focused on getting back on the field. And, you know, after the first two times, I told myself, like, you can still do it. You can still do it. Like, you know, you just, it's only a couple of weeks and then you'll be, you know, back to running again, only, you know, a week after that, before you're back to getting into passing boxes and practice. And I would kind of just focus on the little things. And then after the third time I heard it in training my quad, I, you know, I kind of just broke down. I didn't know where to go from there. I kind of had to just take a one to two weeks to myself to kind of gather everything that we were going to do going forward. And when I look back to it now, the process didn't seem nearly as long as when I say it. I mean, it took me, you know, they're saying it's going to be about eight weeks and that's a moving target from there, just depending on how your quad reacts to everything, like you damaged it really badly. And, you know, it was 13 weeks before I was actually in a full game again. And that was, you know, the second to last game of the season. But I'm also so proud of myself and the fact that I had so many people just telling me just shut it down for the rest of the season. It's only your rookie year you know, you can always come back next year and do better. Like we think you should just shut it down. And I refuse to, I said, no, if there's a way that I can get back on that field this year, that is absolutely, you know, everything that I want to do in my power, because I know that if I go into this off season, not having played at all, 
I don't know where my head is going to be at trying to come out of an off season um, to get back into full games. And, you know, I'm really, you know, grateful that the trainers, that the doctors, that Spirit got me ready by the end of the season last year, even though we weren't going to the playoffs, it, you know, took a lot for me to get back out on the field. And it was something that I needed to do. And I was able to go into my off season saying, I could still play soccer. I knew that I could still play at the highest level, that I didn't lose it all during the time that I was out of my injury. And I went back home and I got with my trainer, um, my speed and agility trainer. I got with my old coach from MVLA that I still see every time that I'm home and he trains me all the time. But, um, and I basically just told them like, I, now that I know that I can get back into the game and not, you know, be afraid, like I now need to work on getting my confidence back, my touch, my speed, everything that I had worked on so hard that I lost during that time. So they made an amazing plan for me in my off season. You know, it was also hard because with my speed and agility trainer, we realized that I had um, picked up so many bad habits during my times of just trying to I compensated for so much during my injuries that my body just wasn't um wasn't functioning the way that it needed to the the right muscles weren't turning on when I needed them to and I had been compensating for so long for so many injuries that I had to start from literal ground zero I'm talking like band work when I had been squatting and doing all this stuff I went back to band work and I thought oh my gosh this is the longest process ever I may I was told that you know I wasn't going to put on cleats for a while even once I got home I started by just walking and then by running and running shoes and then I got to wear my cleats for five minutes for one day and 10 minutes and got to walk in them but they were like your brain is so fixated on the fact that Every time you put on cleats, the only thing that's going on in your mind now is that you feel pain every time. So we need to rewire your brain to think that there's not going to be pain when you put on cleats again. So it was a very tedious process and it took the entire off season to do, but I am so thankful for it now because I know that when I get on the field now, I don't have to be worried about striking a ball that my quad's going to go again, that I don't have to be worried about plantar fascia on my foot anymore because we worked on all that and I don't have to be scared to put on my cleats anymore knowing that every time I put them on I'm scared that I'm going to get injured again so it wasn't just a lot of physical work but it was a lot of mental work that took a lot out of me this year. How much of that or I guess getting through that process you mentioned um, your trainer back home there's also Mm -hmm. you've got teammates who have been through I, you know, I'm thinking of through the roster, there's, it seems like almost everyone has at least one injury yeah. that's taken a long time. Did any of them um, provide you with, with some guidance or was this something that you had to sort of um, figure out on your own? I mean, of course, everyone always wants to offer guidance and they did. And I talked to so many girls on the team, but there was also, you know, I, I had talked to Shana Matthews. She had actually put me in touch with someone who, you know, also helped rehab me. And I had talked to, you know, Jordan all the time. Um, Sunny, Andy Sullivan was someone that I talked to. And she was a big one that I talked to when I was coming back about kind of just having flashbacks of every time I kicked a ball, just remembering the moment that I almost fully tore my quad and wondering if she had those things when she tore ACL from when we played together at Stanford and how she got past those things. And she was a big person who helped me understand that those were normal. But 
the different ways that I can try and help myself get past it. And kind of once I got the information that I, you know, was really looking for the questions that I needed answered, I knew that the only thing that was left was up to me to train myself and my mind to not think of the negative things that I always had been after my injuries. You mentioned you felt like if you didn't get back to play those last couple of games, you weren't sure how ready you were going to be for this season. I thought that was interesting given like how many times coaches have told me like a lot of, a lot of rookies, they're really not ready for a season, even if they're fully fit and, you know, they Mm -hmm. might not play a lot of minutes, but just like those few, you know, sub appearances or, you know, games after the the standings are settled that they play, even if they play poorly, Mm -hmm. it like, it sets them up for success the next year. And is that like something that you were, that you were thinking about or that you think really, you know, helped you this year? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, think that's like you hit it right on the mark the fact that you know even if you do get out there you know you play poorly you do something at least you've gone out there and you've experienced now what you're going to be looking towards the next year I was nowhere near being as fit as I needed to be by the end of the season but I mean I also had been injured for three four months and I knew that I wasn't going to be extremely fit going into those last two games but I knew that for my confidence in being able to tell myself that I knew I could, I needed to play in those games in order to know, in order to keep myself going that, you know, you, you just got a glimpse of what your next year is going to look like. You just got a glimpse of something that you've been desperately missing for the past months, watching everyone else get to do. You finally will get a chance to do that again and to carry those two games not even full games. I think I only played like 30 minutes in the Orlando game and I only played a half in the last game in Portland. But those minutes meant everything to me because it gave me a fire again to go into the off season and it allowed me to see, you know, the things that I could get back to on the field. And it gave me confidence within myself that I could still play at that level. And just because I had that injury that you know, took me months to get over, wasn't going to hold me back that I kind of felt like I, you know, was really able to fight against the negative that had come my way that year. Uh, In, I guess in the past couple of weeks, I know we did an article, um, not we, Kim and I, but um, at Black Mm -hmm. and Red United, we did an article specifically about um, some things you did, some quotes you gave for um, an interview with Just Women's Sports about um, uh, social justice and the importance Mm -hmm. in, um, you know, this, this idea that people kind of fall back on, on um, not seeing color and how important it is to not yeah. think like that. Um, mm-hmm. Thinking about your experiences within the league, within the team, within, you know, your time at Stanford, uh, the youth mm-hmm. national team, even the full national team. Um, mm-hmm. Has that come up a lot? Or is that something that you felt fairly comfortable as far as those environments, um, people, actually seeing color and celebrating differences rather than just uh, trying to flatten it all out and pretend it's not there. Yeah, it's it's definitely something that I've thought back to a lot now. It's, you know, like I said, kind of in the article for, for where I grew up and, you know, the family that I was raised in, I was actually pretty privileged for, you know, being biracial. And I am super thankful for that. My parents were able to give me and are still able to give me so much in this world. And I think, you know, that is a big thing because you look at, 
you know, across the sport. And this is something that I've been starting to realize lately is like, there's only one other person on my team that looks like me. There's only, you know, so many girls when I grew up playing for, you know, youth national teams, I actually saw more diversity within our teams than I did than I do now when you get older. And I always wonder why, like, why is it that when we're younger um, that I've been looking at like U17 national team that I played for the U, you know, U15s that there were a lot more girls who looked like me. And as I got older, it kind of fizzled out. There weren't as many. And it starts to make you wonder like, why, why is it that when you're younger, you know, you, you see all this color around you, you see the different, the diversity that there can be in the sport. And then you get just a little bit older and it just diminishes so much. And it's scary to kind of look at that. It's scary to know that that's like a huge trend, especially in the sport that as you get older, the color that I've seen has diminished around me. And it's, it's hard to see. I don't, have exact reasons why that is I kind of have tried to keep more of a level head with all this because I know that I you know it's it's hard when you don't want to be the person who is constantly having to talk about you know why they're you know, why you should be able to live a life that someone else lives, why you should be just as worthy as someone else is in this country when we're all supposed to be equal. It's hard. And then it's hard when people want an explanation why you feel that way. It's hard when people stare at you, you know, when you go through these talks and there's only two voices in the room who can talk about it and can answer questions. And I never want to blame it on my team or on you know this league because it's just inherently been like this and you wonder how it's going to change I wonder how it's going to change how do you make sure that there's more than just two black girls on a team within a league how you know because everyone's always going to say well it's all based on talent but you can't tell me that the talent in this country there shouldn't be more than two black girls on a team we have so many soccer players in this world, in this country that I grew up playing with that looks exactly like me and I don't see them around me anymore. And I don't see enough of it. And I want it to change so much, but I also don't have all the answers for why it hasn't changed or, you know, if there is racism going on or, you know, how we fix it. It's, it's just, it's hard to look at and it's hard to know that there's not much that I have been able to do to change it around me. Do you think that there's a a big implicit bias problem when it comes to whether it's youth national team coaches, college coaches, scouts, where, you know, people who maybe are not mean spirited or who don't, who don't think they're racist have these, you know, biases about what certain players are like. And they don't even know that they look at black and white players in different ways. Like, do you think that Mm -hmm. that's a serious problem? And is that something you've noticed and experienced? Yeah, I I think it is a problem and it is an implicit bias. Like when you constantly talk about, you know, girls in the league or girls on the national team, you know, the black ones being the fast ones and not being maybe as skillful 
as some of the white players on the team. And, you know, you have those positions that you can kind of see of like where people are going to go or what, you know, kind of based on their color, like, oh, like she's, you know, a lot of the times, I mean, athletes in general, you know, black people are known or supposedly known for their speed, their athleticism, the way that they move, how they, how quick they are. But what is to say that I'm not as skillful as another player on that field? That is something that I take pride in as not just being black, but as an outside back. Like, I think that my feet are actually, you know, part of my better game to help me build out, to help me get up the field to attack. Is my speed something that is super big in my game? Yes, but I don't think that I would be at this level that I'm at now if it wasn't for being taught like my skill side I don't think I'd be able to be at this level without that and I think that's something that we all have to recognize that like even though there are different traits that people might have like there are also a lot of traits that you have to have in order to play at the top level so no your speed or your athleticism for being black should not be the only reason that you are that's highlighted in your you know bag of tricks is what they call it like you have to be something more at this level than just speed and athleticism. And I think that, you know, there is a big implicit bias for, you know, players in certain positions and where they're going to be put on the field based on, yes, what they can do. But if we really focus on developing all soccer players in this skillful, you know, same way for everyone and not just be like, okay, we're going to, you know, work with her on this because, you know, she's more like this. I think it needs to be, we need to take away our bias and we need to look at every player the same and how we're going to develop them and not because, oh yeah, you know, she's black, you know, we're going to put her on the outside because she's fast and she can get around people. Like, no, challenge her like a Crystal Dunn who plays in the midfield. We know she's amazing. She's so good on the ball and I think it's amazing that she can play both outside back and in the center mid and you wouldn't think that she skipped a beat in there at all so I think that that's a big thing when you look at players and not just separating them because of their traits that they have challenge them to be a skillful player challenge them to be a fast player no matter who they are or where they are on the field we'll take we don't want to keep you uh for too long. Um, thank mm -hmm. you so much. Those are um, really, sure. really insightful answers. I hope um, for the people that listen in that they really take some of that to heart. Um, I, uh, I guess that's it. Uh, I don't, yeah. Kim, do you have anything else? No, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, we really appreciate of course. it. Of course, anytime. And that's it for our show. Uh, I'm recording this after uh, we let Tegan go and after uh, Kim went because we didn't discuss our outro and I forgot to say anything. So that one's on me, which is why I'm recording an outro now. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks again to Tegan for giving us her time and her insight. You can find Plex Weather on, let me get the list, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or you can come to our Twitter account at Plex Weather, all one word. We will tweet the podcast out with it's from Pinecast. I don't know what to call it. The card that Pinecast gives you that goes into a tweet that allows you to play the the, uh, the podcast there. You can do it that way as well. I have not. Uh, the reason our site looks bad is that I haven't gotten around to putting it together. Pinecast gives you a site and it doesn't really look very good at all right now. I got to fix that at some point and I will, but it's not there yet. 
I think it's still functional though. If you go, you can click the link. It'll play the podcast. Just don't look at the site. Uh, if you if it's too ugly, just don't look at it. Just listen, and that'll that'll do the job, I think. And on that note, because I've turned this into a long outro instead of a short outro, I'm gonna stop. Thanks for listening. <laughs>